Welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Hello, race fans, and welcome back to another episode of the From Checker to Green podcast. Last episode, we were talking about the NASCAR offseason. We're going to continue with that tonight. And joining us is, as usual, is our host, Elliot Tardiff, and our producer, Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, thank you. Um, happy... Uh... Uh, happy to make it to another Friday night and uh, happy to be here. I quite agree with Elliot on that. You know, especially with how this year has been, it's nice to be progressing in a somewhat predictable pattern and almost have it put behind us. As as agreed with that, no doubt. And I know it, the year's coming to the end. We're going into a new year. This is the time that all the craziness in the off season starts going on. And, you know, things have been going well with me and just looking forward to Christmas, wrapping gifts, you know, trying to tell the, tell Lily, Hey, Santa's watching. We actually um, had a video call with Santa the other day with her. She loved it. So, you know, it's that time of year and we're going to have some fun tonight. So to kick off tonight, we are continuing with the second part of our NASCAR off season, as mentioned. We talked about the NASCAR schedules last time we capped off the championship but we actually did have some news that came up in our checkered segment including a race that happened Elliot take us away yeah so um uh here in the last uh, last week or so so we're recording here on uh, Friday December 11th um and over the last week um a very popular off-season late model race in Florida um, uh, ran, uh, and that would be the Snowball Derby. That's uh, turned into a, a very popular, very prestigious race weekend, and uh, this year it featured, among others, reigning, um, reigning NASCAR Cup champion Chase Elliott was among the entrants. And uh, he ran well, uh, but finished third, didn't win. Uh, That honor went to um, longtime uh, iRacer and uh, erstwhile NASCAR touring driver, Ty Majeski, who uh, had a a really good car late and uh, survived a thrilling duel with... Eric Thorne finished second. Eric Thorne, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He was um, uh, he almost had him beat at, mm-hmm. um, in that last five five laps or so, um, but Majeski had the um, was able to keep the bottom lane, and the bottom lane was the fast way around, and uh, um, Majeski was able to use that to his advantage and hold him off and. 
bring so so that was really good for him um it was um it was a, a, a triumphant finale to the race weekend because the night before um was kind of like the the undercard to the main snowball derby race um and that was the what they call the snowflake 100 and it came down to a last lap duel between two arch rivals on the racetrack, Stephen Nass and Bubba Pollard. And uh, the two of them were running one, two um, at the end of the race. And they went into turn three and Nass got in the back of Pollard, moved him and Pollard spun. And they took the win away from Nass because of that move. They called it aggressive driving and they gave it, they gave the win to another driver. Uh, by the name of Jake Johnson, who got into the race via the last chance qualifier. And to his credit, drove up through the field from the back of the field to the front and was running third. And all of this happened in front of him and he ended up with a win. So that they took the the win away from Stephen Nass because of that move was, was very controversial. Um, and it also marks the second time that Nass has had a win taken away from him uh, in consecutive years at um, at the Snowball Derby weekend. So, uh, so that was tough for him to take, um, and he uh, spent a lot of time in the the officials' uh, shed or whatever um, to argue his case, but to no avail. Uh, the The win did not go to him. So, um, so that that was. Um, uh, a very big event to have happened here in the last week. And um, uh, like I said, there's, there's been a lot of visibility in the sport, um, uh, you know, throughout all, all measures of the, uh, the stock car enterprise, especially um, like I said, Chase Elliott was there. Kyle Busch was there. He ran a car. Um, you had Majeski. Um, I think you had a couple other big names, but it's, it's quickly becoming um a event that you know and we talked about this last episode connecting the grassroots to the upper echelons of the sport and they did a very good job of that um in this event so as a matter of fact uh chase elliott went on the record saying that he would love to run more races like this um and so it's um uh, he was lauded for saying that um, and for his attention um, to the, the short track scene and Kyle Busch as well um, and others. But um, that's where the, uh, the off-season attention uh, is going. Hopefully that's a trend that continues. You, and you also had, I mean, you mentioned some notable names in there. I mean, you had Kyle Busch, but you also had Grant, Grant Enfinger, who runs in the truck series, mm-hmm. looking at some of these finishes. Ross Kenseth, the son of Matt Kenseth. Mm-hmm. I mean, doing what his dad did, the grassroots racing, the late miles. If ASA was still around, I'm sure he'd be pushing that track. But, I mean, there, there's another name that's out there. So, you're, you're right. There's a lot of good 
you know grassroots racing that's that's the that's becoming the focus and and you know that you know chase elliott kyle bush you know kyle bush for sure has been doing a bunch of grassroots racing he's known to do that go to a race here or there run it chase elliott as well you know look what he's doing you know and and this will probably be up so we'll talk later is the chili bowl is you know he's going to run the chili bowl the next year as long as they, you know it's still scheduled for it but um you know you're right a lot of grass grassroots racing is coming back and that is a really good thing to be happening it is um and um it's worth noting as well um i saw a tweet from adam stern um, a, a long time uh, racing slash business reporter um, that said that uh, NASCAR amongst Gen Z um, is, was among the, the top 10 most recognizable brands of 2020, um, beating out, I think, even Pepsi. So um, uh, not so much success with older generations, but they're definitely making inroads with the younger generation. And it's grassroots outreach like this that is surely helping that effort. There's probably some other things too, but um, you can't get to um, to a lot of kids um, that love the sport, but maybe can't uh, can't afford a ticket right now. Um, you know, or at least afford a, a, a ticket or, you know, the, the travel to go to a Daytona or an Atlanta or whatever, but they can go to Pensacola. They can go to these short tracks. They can go to these, these local places. And if, you know, a big name driver shows up and, you know, they, they're visible and, you know, that there's a, a positive reaction there. Well, then there you go. You know, you just got yourself another fan. So, um, so that's another, another piece to it. Um, and that's how it's all that's how it should be is you you've got to i mean with the controversy is that have happened over the past few years you know actually because the controversies the past 20 um you know 19 years you know since earnhardt passed away at daytona the, the controversies, so things that have come up, the fans that have lost, NASCAR's been losing revenue. I mean, I, I did I did a business project on, on ISM and SMI, and my conclusion at the time before everything happened with Brian France and in the change um, in Brian France's legal troubles was that I had said that I would not be surprised that NASCAR is going to be facing a um, potential sell or go belly up. And, and the reason I said it was, was that you had to, um, you know, they, they, the, 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 markets they, they just weren't making money they were spending all this money but they weren't making it well it's because of how 
Brian France was running it. When you have an ill-effective business person who doesn't do, doesn't sit with sponsors, doesn't talk with the drivers, just kind of runs it, 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 it's it's bound to fail in any business world. It, 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 that's how it works in, in the business world. You've, if you're a manager, if you're head of a company, you've got to be reaching out and doing everything possible. If not, you're going to be selling your assets off to another company and getting bought out, or you're closing those doors for good and there goes another generation of of a business and and that's the same with nascar a couple other things that came out elliot this week besides the snowball derby um the nascar schedule we last episode we were talking about how you know them going out west and you know california everything well that has changed yep in how indy used to be the month of may NASCAR Florida is the month of NASCAR Daytona 500 Daytona Speed Weeks the 500 I mean, February is the February the month sorry of NASCAR. yeah sorry Florida, Fe- yeah you, you guys know what I meant <laughs> yep uh February is the month of, of NASCAR because it is literally Daytona 500 the road course at Daytona than homestead so that is there's a change and then um it's just because of the pandemic understandable they know they can get some fans there at those races yep it it's going to be really good action or at the Uh, very least be able to run those races period yeah it doesn't sound like uh they would be able to to run at all in california right now yeah yeah, if the way California is going and, and San Francisco 49ers take this, you know, take this example, having yep. to go to Arizona through Christmas um, to to play their games. Yeah, it, it's a very smart move by NASCAR. And you know yep. what? It and, and this was something I made thought of of this. You know, Daytona, they're always, they were always there two weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? They can, they can pack their road course cars up, bring those down. The drivers can stay there. They can just, they can just kind of have their own bubble at the track. It's a very smart move. I, I, I give NASCAR a lot of credit on that. Good job yeah. with that move. And, Ryan, you're gonna love this. Coda, the three, the whole three point four one mile long course is going to be used. Just announced today, they're using the full course when they go to Coda. It's gonna be a great, great race when that happens. Yes, you're right, Dave. That does make me smile. Yep. I don't know. I question whether or not they had too many other options. I know there were. Um, a couple of other configurations, but I think it would have been a much, much shorter track. Um, yeah, I, so. I, I'm looking at J-Ski right now and looking at the map on that. And yeah, that it would have, 
it, it would have been a little bit tougher um, to have a couple other configurations. I mean, it's a 20 turn course. I mean, it's definitely going to be challenging. Yes. Um, especially that hairpin corner that um, is turn 11. Mm-hmm. That's that that's going to be a really tight, you know, slam on the brakes, kind of like um, Sonoma. If you think about, you know, want a comparison of, you know, lock up the brakes to take a turn um, that I I like it. I think it's going to be really good. Good racing. Agreed. And there's going to be multiple uh, slow speed corners there from straightaways um, that, you know, as we know, make for excellent passing zones and a lot of action happens there. So um, it is going to be a, 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 an excellent blend of technicality, just driving in as deep as it'll go and um, get up and go on the straightaways. Um, so it'll be really fun to see how this one plays out. Um, oh. but, uh, but good on them for running the, running the full thing. Oh yeah. So with that said, Elliot, I think we've got to take our first pit stop of the day. That we do. Uh, the checkered segment is, uh, has come to a conclusion. We're going to pack up our hauler and, and go home and get our spotlight ready. In the meantime, here's Ryan Colpack with our first break. This is from checkered to green. The From Checkered to Green podcast will be right back. Your feedback is what drives our production. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page, the From Checkered to Green podcast. Tell us, what did you enjoy? What do you think we could do differently? Feel free to suggest topics for us to discuss. If Facebook's not your thing and you're more of a Twitter follower, that's fine. Like, join our conversation on Twitter. We're always looking for your feedback from whatever direction you feel like sending it to us. And we're happy to have the conversation with you. And now, back to From Checkered to Green Podcast. Welcome back, Grace fans. And we are going into our spotlight segment and we're going to continue with the NASCAR off season. And we're going to start talking about the moves that are going on in the NASCAR off season. I mean, schedules coming out, you know, grassroots racing going on, not just the only thing that happens in the off season besides the testing. A lot of drivers, if you're new to auto racing, or just getting into it, a lot of drivers switch teams. So you may have a favorite one year and and one team, and then find out the next year he's at another team. Well, we're going to break that down with the truck, Xfinity, and the Cup Series. Elliot, Ryan, let's start having a little discussion about this. So let's start with the Cup, and Elliot, let's talk about some big-name moves going on. Yeah, and, and there's there have been a lot of moves just to this point. Um, and, you know, you talk about, um, you know, the, the season in which, you know, drivers, big name mechanics, crew chiefs, sponsors, manufacturers are moving around, um, known as silly season. Um, and that typically occurs over the later, like half or the later third of the, the previous season through the, 
the off season leading into speed weeks. Um, and so it isn't unusual and it probably will happen where we'll see a couple of more moves very late in the winter heading into speed weeks. Um, but in the interim, there have been quite a few big moves made to this point, um, either in drivers moving to other teams, um, some drivers making their own teams, um, or new teams and uh, bringing in um, well-known uh, drivers uh, to, uh, to drive their car for them, um, or other people that are just stepping away entirely. Um, so looking at the um, probably the most efficient way to look at all of these moves to this point is on uh, Jayski, jayski.com. They have um, a driver and team chart that kind of break down the blow by blow of what has happened with each team uh, that has run the previous season or that is expected to run in the new season. Um, and so uh, there's, you've got the, the full list of everything that's, that's happening here. You've got um, Christopher Bell moving from the 95 to the 20 team, uh, the 95 team, uh, Levine Family Racing, uh, they've closed their doors after a number of years in the Cup Series. Um, Alex Bowman moving within the Hendrick organization to the 48 team, uh, vacated by the retiring Jimmy Johnson. Um, Ross Chastain, as expected, moving to the 42, um, the 42 ride for Chip Ganassi Racing um, after a spirited campaign to uh, uh, to try and win the Xfinity Championship in 2020 for Colleague Racing. Um, Eric Jones moving from the 20 to the 43 for Richard Petty Motorsports, uh, replacing Bubba Wallace, who departed that ride for the 23 car of the newly formed 23XI Racing, owned by uh, basketball legend Michael Jordan, as well as existing Cup Series driver Denny Hamlin. Um, Corey LaJoy has moved from the 32 team to the 17 uh, as a second team for Spire Motorsports, who has run um, the 77 team for a number of years, um, most notably for Justin Haley, who won at Daytona um, uh, due to rain and lightning a couple of years ago. Uh, Kyle Larson has made his return to the Cup Series, uh, driving what was formerly the 88 team, now the 5 team uh, for Hendrick Motorsports. John Hunter Nemechek has departed the 38 ride for Front Row Motorsports, moving back to the Truck Series. And uh, Justin Marks, um, a, uh, a longtime Xfinity, um, and I think... Uh, Maybe he did some trucks, maybe he did some cup as well, but a uh, longtime NASCAR racer um, uh, creating his own team going into 2021, uh, Trackhouse Racing uh, for the, uh, with the number 99 and bringing in Daniel Suarez from Gaunt Brothers Racing, the 96. Um, and so those are some, some of the, the bigger name moves. Others, uh, Clint Boyer retiring uh, from the 14 car and from uh, full-time competition moving up to the, um, uh, the Fox booth in 2021. Um, uh, Chase Briscoe, 
who ran the number 98 uh, Xfinity car for Stuart Haas Racing um, and did very, very well in 2020, um, missing out uh, on the uh, championship at Phoenix. Um, but um, uh, a tremendous rookie season, nonetheless, is moving into that 14, um, the famous 14 car in uh, in 2021. Um, so those are that's kind of a, a synopsis of some of the the main moves that have been made uh, thus far in silly season. Um, David, do you have any others uh, that you're aware of? Um, as you know, I'm looking through the JSKI site, and as far as I know, that that's all I've heard. Um, I mean, looking at kind of looking at a couple of the part-time teams, we know we get some of these part-time teams coming in. I mean, we know um, Ty Dillon, Jermaine Racing departed this year. They're not coming back um, along with Levine. Um, but a couple noting, actually, this came up, and I just saw this, um, and Jayski has it as well. Colleague Racing, and, and we'll probably get more into this when we talk about the next gen in 2022, but Colleague Racing is going to go part-time in the cup in super speedway and road course races. But um, right now, they're going to do that in 2021, and they are interested in going to Cup in 2022, but we can touch more on that later in the green segment when we talk about the next-gen car in 2022. But, you know, one of the – you know, just looking at the Cup guys and and thinking, I mean – you know, I'm glad Ross Chastain is getting his break. You know, Ganassi is a really good car owner. I, I like that move. Um, I, I'm really the other move I really like that I thought was really good. Um, I mean, we saw Christopher Christopher Bell go up, but Chase Briscoe for sure to take that seat. You know, he, he kind of knew it. And if, if you, fo- you know, anyone who follows the Xfinity and, and the Cup Series and, and NASCAR in general really close, you know, Chase Briscoe was eventually going to get his break. The question was when, you know, was it in go- the only way he was going to get up into Stuart Haas racing? And, and there, there was talks out there of him, you know, what if there's no opening? It's what there was an opening this year at Stuart Haas. Where's mm-hmm. he go? Who does he go with? You know, does he do, does he cut a, you know, it, it's a four. Does he cut a quick deal to, you know, run the Wood Brothers car or does he run a, another Ford, you know, kind of say, Hey, you know, Tony Stewart, you know, says, hey, can you, you know, take him on for this year? You know, but there was also, you know, there was also questions where, one, does, um, does, um, in, um, Harvick or someone retire? You know, Harvick's up there, Boyer's up there. Well, it was Boyer this year who decided he was going to retire. So, 
you know, it, great replacement, great talent. Tony Stewart just has that knack of finding talent and finding raw talent. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I was listening to the, um, re-listening to the Dinner with Racers podcast with Rick Mears because I, I just wanted to rehear it again. And, you know, great car owners like Roger Penske, Chip Ganassi, Rick Hendrick, um, Richard Childress just have that knack of finding raw talent. They've always had, and they always know even jack roush has had that sometimes um especially with mark martin um and matt kenseth but that edwards too yep and edwards yes and edwards um gibbs yeah uh, actually another one who i think of is the late um um hall of famer robert yates yes i mean look what he did when when the NASCAR world lost Davy Allison, what did he do? He got Ernie Irvin, who yep. had his more downs than ups, mm-hmm. started to get his – it was amazing. And if it wasn't yeah. for Michigan – He probably would have won the, the championship. He would have. He would have. He, yeah. he, yeah, he turned it, him into a championship and, driver virtually overnight. Yeah, and he did yep. it with Jarrett too. Yep. Anyone who and well, Jarrett had Jarrett was pretty solid uh, before then with uh, with Gibbs. He he but was, but Yates was Yates, able to bring him to another level. No question. Yes, yes, yeah. and that that's where it was. So I, I like that um, the Bubba Wallace move, Michael Jordan. Hey, Michael, I watched the last dance and hey welcome to nascar just one thing um no smoking cigars in the pits yeah <laughs> um but yeah. yeah they'll let james finch get away with the the red solo cup <laughs> but that i don't think there was fire involved there so well well um, car well um carl haas used to do that at oh, Indy. that's right yeah. he chewed no he didn't he didn't smoke them he oh. chewed on them Oh, is that right? He would flip it around. If you look at, I think, the 93 Indy, he had the cigar. And I think they caught him on ABC at one point flipping it, and you could see the other end chewed up. <laughs> hey, whoever we'll floats your boat, but. <laughs> um, I can roll. I would be remiss, by the way, uh, before we uh, continue on, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention. Um, another new team that's um, coming into the sport is actually, I think, kind of replacing another team that um, is kind of stepping away, and that is um, the 78 team uh, mm-hmm. for Live Fast Motorsports. That's a, a collaboration between uh, former racer Matt Tift and current racer BJ McLeod. Um, according to J-Ski, they partnered with Joe Falk, um, longtime uh, car owner in the sport. Uh, to obtain the charter that was being used by the 32 team uh, for Go Fast Racing. Um, and here recently, uh, they announced also that they were going to be running Fords. They were going to be partnering with Stuart Haas and uh, that BJ McLeod was going to be the, uh, the driver uh, for that team. 
um, apparently with a um, uh, with a sponsor in keen parts for quote unquote multiple races. And according this, uh, this is according to Jayski again. Um, but um, it looks like basically a lot of the assets that were um, go fast are now live fast um, under new ownership. Uh, so I wanted to mention that one as well. Um, no mention yet of what's going to happen to the uh, the 96 team. Um, and there's still, you know, a number of smaller teams out there. Um, you know, Carl Long's team, uh, MBM Motorsports, um, uh, you know, but they, sh they most likely will be back in some form or fashion uh, next season. Um, Rick Ware, same thing. Um, uh, Rick Ware actually seems to have a, a, a number of cars uh, that they will be running uh, this coming year. So, um, so they'll they'll probably be back in some form or fashion as well. Yeah, and then that I mean, and and it and all the way up until the you know Daytona, you know you, we're going to start hearing more cars coming in, more drivers announced. You're right. It's the final third. It like starts slowly coming out in the in the final third of the season. You kind of know some things here and there. I mean, Jimmy Johnson, we we knew way beforehand. Um, we knew at the um, beginning of the year, and you know he's now going over to IndyCar. We'll talk about that in a future episode. Actually. Yep. Uh, um, you know, a couple episodes from now with the Indy car for, with our open wheel off season, but um, I'm yeah. actually stood corrected. It, um, so uh, live fast is going to be their own deal. Uh, oh. Go fast is still around. Okay. Um, uh, according to Jay ski, they're going to, um, they're still going to have the sport in 2021, but um, in all likelihood, it's going to be a part-time deal for them. Um, so the, the charter that they use to run full-time, that's what's going to go to the 78, but go fast going to, uh, sounds like they're going to still be, a, uh, around in some form or fashion, but, um, uh, at this point it looks like maybe a part-time effort. Um, there's, um, some other teams also that, um, may or may not, uh, be a part of things, uh, in the coming year, um, uh, in particular, kind of looking through all these these uh, um, these additional teams, either part time or question marks, um, the number fifty team uh, for money racing, I believe that's Floyd Mayweather's effort. Mm -hmm. um, there, uh, no news on them, but uh, the the most recent thing from Jayski is that they're still considering uh, running in some capacity um, in twenty twenty one. Um, but with that said, and we kind of touched on this last episode, um, it seems like um, a number of teams now are kind of getting set, kind of getting themselves in position, kind of jockeying for position um, to be a part of the sport going into 2022, going into uh, the advent of the gen seven car to competition. We're going to talk more about that here in uh, the next segment. But um, uh, additionally, I also think from a business standpoint, with that in mind, with that um, change to a new 
uh, a completely new generation of car coming, um, you're probably going to have um, some chassis, some bodies, um, and you know other car pieces that you'll probably be able to get for a lower price than you would otherwise. Um, you know, where the same generation of car is anticipated to be used for the foreseeable future. Well, if you've got one season left, then uh, teams may not build as many new cars um, with that in mind. Um, and they may also be looking to maybe start starting to offload uh, some of the older generation of car um, to maybe make a little bit of money um, heading into the new, the, uh, the newer generation of car as well. So it, this may be one of those times um, where we see some, some, uh, some newer teams coming into the picture, taking advantage of that potential uh, discount in buying equipment and then utilizing that to be a part of the sport when the new generation of car comes around, which in and of itself um, has the appearance of being a lower cost vehicle overall anyway. Um, and we'll talk more about that again here in, in a little bit. Um, but that's that seems to be another um, part of all of this is um, uh, teams that are trying to, to get themselves uh, into, uh, into position to be a part of this in 22 and beyond, which for NASCAR's sake, and we talked about this last episode, for NASCAR's sake, um, having that interest and having that uh, manifest itself in new teams, bumping car counts um, is a, a critical thing. Um, you know, we're, you know, David, you were talking about the, um, uh, the, uh, the research that you did on NASCAR Inc. Um, and related entities uh, heading into the end of the 20 teens here. And this is a, a point in time where, yeah, the sport was on the downswing and in some ways it kind of still is, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to find their footing, but they've got uh, some, you know, some major work ahead of them. Um, and, you know, there's, there's different things to address uh, potentially, um, you know, case in point was potentially the entire playoff system. Um, mm -hmm. I saw an excellent uh, YouTube video recently uh, by, I believe it was Slap Shoes, um, that addressed the, um, the advent of the playoff system in 2004 and the iterations of it since, and what it was supposed to do for ratings and interest in what it actually has done. Um, and that uh, was a, a, a very, very telling um, piece of work. And it goes to show not only um, the importance of the rollout of, the, of this new car, the interest in uh, from these new teams and these new team owners, um, and also from a younger generation of fans, um, but also potentially the, the need to maybe look at some other things within the sport as well. But that's, 
um, that's for, for other segments. Um, but uh, again, all different important uh, uh, business related aspects of um, that tie into all this and how everything and you know the how that plays into the health of, of uh, NASCAR as a whole going forward. Um, having a healthy cup series is important, but having healthy uh, feeder series are important as well. And um, let's talk about that now. Let's talk about uh, the Xfinity series uh, and the, uh, the truck series as well. Oh, certainly. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you look at Jay Ski, I mean, again, Jay Ski, great resource Elliot you you and I used Jayski when we did our um, we did our show at um, Oswego State our checkered um, I believe it was the checkered flag yep. we we did um, the television show but yeah I mean some of the changes I mean I mean the the cup series big changes but the Xfinity the truck series these are future stars that are eventually going to come up into the cup series um mm-hmm. you know a couple of them Jeb Byrne leaving junior motorsports he's going to a full season with colleague racing AJ Allmendinger who has won in the cup level um went back has ran with colleague racing it was announced he is going to run a full season with them. So colleague racing three teams, they can be a contender. They were a contender last year. Um, Josh Berry um, definitely has some talent, um, has had his issues on, uh, you know, on the track. And um, if he can, you know, put their talent good use he's going to run the um part-time the number eight junior motorsports the the number eight is kind of an audition car i kind of think of that so but they're bringing sam mayer in this year um you know that that's a couple of new changes daniel hemrick went to gibbs um this year so just a, a couple of them. And then the, the trucks, um, looking at that, um, John Hunter Nemechek goes to Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, he, he's John Nemechek or Joe. Yeah. John Nemechek, uh, Joe Nemechek's son. Sorry. Yep. Um, um. We got Haley Deegan going to yeah. uh, the 17 team for DGR Crossley uh, yeah. for, for Ford. Chandler Smith, another Kyle Busch driver. Yep. Um, um, no word yet on the uh, the Thor Sport uh, trucks, but uh, they're, they're in all likelihood going to be coming back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't um, – the one I don't see on here – um, looks like Kyle Bush will run the 51. Surprise, surprise. He's going to run sometimes. Brett Moffitt goes to um, uh, Nice Motorsports. Um, they've got that. The one I don't see on here, and did he? Did that team fold up? 
was um, Stuart Friesen's team the fifty? Let's um, see, Hallmark, uh, they're they're still here. Oh um, yes, yes, they're, no they're plans announced. Yeah, yeah, but um, here again, it you know, in all likelihood, yeah. they're probably going to be coming back um, as well because. All the Thor Sport trucks—they don't have any any plans announced either. But yeah, um, those are perennial championship contending trucks every year. Yeah, I, I, we'll we'll see how Hallmar does. Um, they kind of had well, we don't know who their engine supplier is yet, so I don't know. It doesn't say. I don't know if they're going to stick with the Toyotas. He had very good success with the Ford and. Went to Toyota this year and Stuart Friesen did better than dirt than his truck career did um, this year. So, yep. Um, but this but, is a cool uh, year for the for the truck series as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got uh, it looks like probably about four or five uh, well funded teams um, that are going to be putting um, uh, putting good trucks out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, week in and week out, you're gonna have um, Kyle Busch. You're gonna have Thor Sport. You're gonna have um, GMS Racing. Uh, they won the championship this last year. Um, you're gonna have Hattori Motorsports out there as well. Um, um, uh, nice Motorsports uh, is probably gonna be um, uh, out there as well. Um, yeah. Uh, with a, uh, at the very least, you got the forty with Ryan Truex, the yes. forty-two with Carson Hosevar, uh, Natalie Decker may be back uh, in the forty-four this coming year. Um, Brett Moffat's going to be running full time with forty-five. Um, so, um, so you you have kind of a, a core nucleus of teams, mm-hmm. which is good, but you need more beyond that otherwise you're going to have arca this last year where you had maybe 2025 entries showing up yeah. on the track every week and that's that's not a recipe for long-term success here and, either and and that's that's going to be the thing is because as more drivers retire from cup and i mean kurt bush harvick um you know eventually kyle bush um mm. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, uh, Keselowski, Logano. Um, yeah, Logano, I think, still got a little ways to go. He's but, got, yeah, he, 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 but he's getting up there. He, he's starting yeah. to. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the big, the, the one you're going to watch this year, I, if I have to say, Alvix Fanny, the, the, if I, if I wanted to say, you know, just kind of wrap up this segment the one i'd i'd watch this year in cup is chase elliott see how he does see how that torch is getting passed see the effect if larson has anything on that mm-hmm. knowing what happened does yeah. larson get a sponsor rick hendricks really gotta pull a lot of strings hopefully that will um yeah. you know Xfinity. i think this year um I think it's going to be um, uh, Cindric. It's going to be the guy you want to watch this year, Austin Cindric. Yeah, for the for Team Penske, the twenty-two. Yeah. But it's going to be a wide open Xfinity. This oh yeah, year, I think 
Um, you know, going into the silly season, it kind of seemed like, okay, Cindric's probably going to be your guy. Yes, um, and and he's the next one to go cup. In in all likelihood, but um, at the same time, though, um, you know, now you've got you know a whole bunch of of new players into the Xfinity Championship uh, for 2020, uh, mm-hmm. 2021. David, you talked about AJ Allmendinger coming into Colic. Yes. That's a race-winning combination. We've seen that a couple occasions last year. Um, Riley Herbst is moving into the 98 Stuart Haas team, um, moving from Toyota and Joe Gibbs, um, which kind of furthers um, a, uh, uh, a a reference that Tony Stewart made um, or that he was quoted in about uh, the driver development program at Ford as compared to other manufacturers. Um, They're able to find places for these younger drivers that they're developing. Um, And the fact that they're able to move, uh, you know, these, these young drivers through uh, the feeder programs is kind of testament to that. And so um, Haley Deegan's uh, the latest example. Yeah, well, she, she was the example last year moving into uh, to ARCA, but now moving into trucks, absolutely. Truck. It w- with and, and, and if she continues that route, and again, raw talent, where, you know, the, you know how, how long does she stay in, in the trucks? Does she go one year, two year? I think a couple years would be good for her. Don't, don't do this, you know, throw her into the Xfinity and then throw her into Cup. Let her build up. She was really good in ARCA, but an ARCA car is really different from a truck. A truck is, is different from time, Xfinity. That is that is very true. But at the same time, there's a lot of attention um, on her going into this mm-hmm. year. And me, I think she's got to deliver um, with at least one win um, and a playoff appearance this I, year. I, I have to agree but I, I think if, um, if she can be consistent, if she oh, yeah. can from, right, from Daytona to Phoenix, and mm-hmm. she's consistent, even if she misses the playoffs, even if she pulls out a win, if it's in the playoffs and she had missed it, if she's always finishing, in the top 10. And I think that I, I and I, I look at the year before, uh, a couple years before with Stuart Friesen. He did so well. He got in the playoffs. He was racing for it, but couldn't get over it, couldn't get to it. And then all that pressure came and he had a setback. You know, if, if Haley Deegan just shows consistency and can show she can race. I think she's going to get a lot of backing. And I think the one thing she's got out there that, and and I hate to knock on Danica Patrick for this, because this is case in point, is that a lot of drivers respect Haley Deegan out there on the track. They are on the track, off the track, they don't. They 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 have respect, just like um, Lynn St. James when she ran the Indy 500. A lot of drivers have respect for her. 
Janet Guthrie, actually, if you don't know this, if a lot of people don't know the story, AJ Foyt was going to give her a car, but had to, but decided to back it out just because, just in case he needed that backup car. But, um, you know, there's, there's where the respect comes from. And Danka never had that. No, well, there's a couple different, um, a couple of different key differences at play. In addition to everything that you uh, that you said, David, um, Haley Deegan comes from a racing family. The Deegans yes. are are well known um, in the racing the in racing circles, um, and so um, Haley Deegan has has demonstrated that she is there to race. With Danica, it kind of seemed like there were some other things at play, mm-hmm. um, and so. Um, with that in mind, I think um, there's um, there's maybe a little bit of a different attitude towards her in that way. Um, now, this coming year, it's going to be important to see can step up and deliver uh, race wins and consistent front of the field finishes that Danica could never deliver, even in. Yes. Uh, the uh, even in, in uh, lesser series before she went to cup. Yeah, that's true. So with that said, I know we'd like to keep it rolling here, but we actually have to come in. Our producer is flagging us in for another pit stop. Ryan, take it away. This is from the Checker to Green podcast. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Do you want your business to stand out among your competitors? Consider Samurai Graphics. With lists and services provided to make your business unique and stand out. Offering services and design options to make you unique and make you stand head and shoulders above your competitors. For more information, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Well, we're looking forward to the next green flag coming out for the next race. And for us, that means talking about the next generation of car that's going to be racing, the the races of tomorrow, specifically uh, the Gen 7 car for 2022 and beyond. So, David, let's get into it a little bit and let's let's talk about this. Yeah, I mean, we touched base on it in our last episode a little bit. We started talking about how the car was going to look, some of the teams coming in. We, we mentioned in our previous segment, Elliot, you made a really good point about that in the previous segment about how more teams, the costs are going to get lower. We, we both agree that this is a good move. You know, one, one thing, and credit to Jayski for being on top of this, um, the next-gen car is actually going to test at Daytona. Um, it came out today. Chris Busher is going to participate at that, and it's going to be the 
Roush Fenway Racing's um, P3 prototype, the two-and-a-half-mile Florida trip. Uh, so it would be the two-and-a-half-mile um, oval, not the road course. Charlotte, they did kind of do both, so they're, they're kind of working on the road course. And this from John Propes, uh, NASCAR Senior Vice President of Racing Innovation, quoted with uh, about the last about last month's single car test runs he says this will be important as we start to tune in the drag and power levels we're going to need to run the speeds we want to run there so they're working on designing for this car they're, they're getting tests they know they've got to get better on the ovals it's great for road courses and and you know that each, each OEM, Chevy, Ford, Toyota, are have their prototypes out there. They're all looking a little, you know, they, they're showing the bodies. They, they chose the, you know, they're choosing what, what body style they want, what, you know, trying to go back to this, um, you, you know, the, the grassroots, you know, they used to be in the 70s, 80s. You win at win on Sunday, you buy on Monday. Meaning, if that manufacturer won the race on Sunday, those dealerships that were, that had that manufacturer were going in and they were getting a boost in business the next day. So, it it's, you know, it's really coming, it, it's starting to come along and we, we, we can start to, you know, chat about this more Elliot and you know I, I agree they gotta get the single they, they gotta get the single car in the oval test going a little bit better well they've got to get the single car tests but they've also got to get the multi-car as well um there's there were some uh um lukewarm responses from uh, the test drivers to this point talking about um what uh this next gen car does on ovals um the uh uh feedback has been really good on on short on uh, the uh, the road courses i'm guessing um short tracks will probably be in that same vein as well um but now it's about getting these uh these ovals right and um there's there's definitely some uh some work to be done there um and then super speedways as well yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this, uh, this test this coming week at Daytona. Um, you know, they've, they've learned a lot of things um, from some of the tests done to this point um, at some of the other oval, oval tracks. So let's, uh, let's see what comes of this. One thing that I, I noted and going back through uh, some of the, um, some of the quotes and what has been said about this car to this point um, and I am referencing um, the March 4th article by Matt Weaver on Auto Week. Um, and also uh, the Auto Blog article as well by Jonathan Ramsey. And this is on uh, in January of 2020. Uh, they were talking about how the existing car has a lot of uh, side force built into the car. So it, it um, that kind of acts as um, a self-correcting mechanism to help 
get the um, get the car out of an excess drift if the car is really um, kind of if the rear end stepping out too much um, mm -hmm. the aerodynamics of the car will help to uh, self-correct well with this new car there's not as much of that um, and so it's putting the trajectory of the car and the speed of it um, and the control of it much more into the driver's hands it sounds like than what they have to this point which, which is something that that that's been a big push by drivers i mean i mean if you've listened to the 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 criticisms that have come out through the year it's through the past few years that's something drivers said is we want to we want to be able to have control of our car they they do and um i say all that to kind of tie into what they're they're going to be doing at the super speedway test this coming week and some of the things that i'm going to be looking for to come out of this um is that um, for a while, handling was a was a pretty big deal, especially at Daytona. Talladega less so, but you still had to, you know, get within the ballpark at least. Um, and then after the repaves, less so. Right. As a matter of fact, they were doing yeah. that that tandem thing, um, you know, lap after lap after lap. So that kind of went to to show, you know, how far reduced handling had gotten. Um, but now here in recent years, as especially Daytona, um, as that track has started to age and, um, you know, the, the grip levels of the, the pavement have, have started to go down a little bit, mm -hmm. um, handling has progressively become more important. And now if you add in this new generation of car that is taking away some of those, um, um, uh, some of those features that were adding downforce to the car, um, you know, and adding um, more control than what they're going to have, then I'll be very curious to see if, if drivers are, are going to be saying um, you have to lift a little bit in the corners to keep the car under you. Yeah. Um, that, that, those are the things I'm going to be interested to hear about uh, because um, that I think will also act to enhance the quality of the racing. You have to have your handling right. Um, and so that'll be an, it, that'll be an interesting piece to see as well. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely agree. And, and that whole point about them, you know, talking about having to, to lift and, and the handling that's, I mean, I mean, that's big. And, and what came to mind when you said that is, um, you know, tracks like in, in they're doing the road course at Indy, but if they ever went back to the oval, that track, you never left that that's a track that never lifts, you know, you know, that's so, you know, you kind of got to, you know, and it's going to be interesting with some of the the um, younger drivers, especially the, these younger drivers who start to come up, who um, probably have to get used to learning how to do that. Um, you know, you, you teach, you know, if when you get set in your ways, when 
when the car when when you don't have control of the car and you know like it has you kind of get set into these ways and it's going to um be interesting because these teams carry well you know it's probably computers now but it used to be notebooks and pages and pages of okay how did this setup handle okay we, we tried this how did it go at this track well now with the new next gen car and all these new teams paying attention they've got to figure out what their books are going to be in 2022 because 2021 you can throw those out now because it's going to be completely different it's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of it i want to see how many more tests they're going to do with this and i want to see what drivers they're going to do with it and nascar can should not just take the best drivers they need to take a bunch of drivers and if you have to take a couple xfinity guys who've run in the cup series take a couple truck guys who've run in the cup series get them to test it make this feedback from the best person to the to the lowest person on the tone pull out there and the reason i say this is if you implement a change and you only test it in, in the business world and you only test it with certain people and th- those people are your, are your top employees, well, you get their feedback. What happens? It may fail with everything else. If NASCAR is going to want to be more competitive, draw more people in, you've got to do a bunch of testing this year. I don't, I I know they have these rules about testing and all this, but test that car as, you know, test it, test it until that car starts falling apart on the track if you have to, but you got to do it and you got to do it with a bunch of drivers. Well, one thought about that, David, is that they're going to have a few weeks at the start of the season where, um, you know, those, um, uh, you know, they're going to be pretty well in the same neighborhood week after week after week. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe they could take a few hours one day um, and say, well, let's, let's break out the um, Gen 7 car and, yeah. you know, let's, let's put some, some different drivers in it. You know, let's, you know, yeah, we can put a, um, a Chase Elliott, a William Byron, um, a Eric Almirola, uh, but then we can also put in, um, you know, a John Hunter Nemechek. We can put in a, a Ryan Priest, um, uh, a Chase no. Briscoe, a, a Brett, a Ross Chastain, a Brett Moffat. Yes. I mean, you just, I mean, and, and that's what it needs to be is that what NASCAR needs to do is tell these manufacturers, hey, you've got your prototypes. NASCAR needs to come together. And they, they need to probably do this within the next few weeks, I would say, yep. is make a schedule. Say, okay, here's the schedule. Here's the rules. This is the schedule. Chevy, Ford, 
Toyota. This team, this team, this team does it one. Next team, next team, next team. You guys have to have one top driver, one middle driver, one lower driver. Yep. So kind then, of like the, the driver ratings with um and and you know with the pro am and you know you know bronze gold silver which you know which right. you know and then here's like another that. thought too. Yeah, here's another thought too, David. Um another aspect of this is you know, we're we're trying to bring um you know this new car on board and we're we've got all these new teams and and new organizations coming in. Well, let's give them a seat at the table too, you know, yeah. during the course of this testing. Let's bring in let's bring in Bubba Wallace. You let's got to BJ McLeod. Let's bring in um uh, that's that that's where that's where you tell that that's where NASCAR's gotta tell saying, hey, I want this team, I want this team, this team. This is the schedule. This is who does it. Every team gets a shot at it. You can't just have, you can't just say, okay, all the, these five teams are going to test it and no one else tests it because it's going to fail. How, you know, it's, if you're going to want to lower the cost, try to make it more competitive, try to increase your car counts and eventually take this car, maybe this design down into the lower ranks yep you gotta you you gotta do it yeah i mean there's there's definitely some concepts there that can be um, applied to uh, some of the other series and then also and we've talked about this before if you can um, utilize that interest and Mm -hmm. maybe some of these concepts to maybe attract another oem or two yes um, you know that would be nice too so um so yeah, this is a very good talk about um, the Gen 7 car, what they can do with it going forward. Um, and, you know, a lot of um, a lot of possibilities with it. But uh, at the same time, there's a need to, to get it right and to get it right quick. Um, so we have taken the green flag. We're going to come back in for a quick break. And then we're going to offer our final thoughts and then close out this episode. This is From Checkered to Green. The From Checkered to Green podcast will be right back. Did you enjoy this episode? Well, feel free to get a hold of the rest of the episodes and download our podcast. Our podcast you can find on Apple Podcasts and at podcasts.com. That way you can enjoy this episode as many times as you'd like, as well as catch up on all of our previous episodes. And now, back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Welcome back, Grace fans, and we are into the final thoughts of the episode. We're closing out. We've had a great episode we talked about the NASCAR offseason, the next-gen car. Just to let you know, our next episode, we're going to be switching to the open wheel, Formula One, IndyCar. They're going into the offseason. As of right now, Formula One has a race in Abu Dhabi coming up this weekend. 
So we'll start talking about that in the next couple episodes. That'll be a two-part series. But gentlemen, let's start with our final thoughts. And Ryan, what's your final thoughts for tonight? My final thoughts to build on the discussion with the next-gen car. Uh, I believe you gentlemen put it as eloquently as possible that the testing for this needs to be done sooner rather than later, but also needs to be done right. And I feel that if they were to break it down, like even across the entire schedule for NASCAR this coming season, if the prototypes were to travel for say, you know, to some specific bigger name races, just to give it some exposure and give it some track time for different drivers and teams. I think that would be in their best interest for, as you put, you know, to get feedback from all levels of competition. Yes, sir. Great point. Elliot. Um, so there's been, you know, some news from different, uh, spheres of the the racing industry um but i wanted to touch on something that um has kind of been around for a bit but really came to the fore um for a time in 2020 and that is uh sim racing i racing especially um you know they were able to um you know take a period where there wasn't any sports happening um bring everybody together have some fun and, you know, be able to bring the sport to, um, you know, maybe a, a newer generation of fans that is into um, uh, uh, computer gaming and things of that ilk, but hadn't yet seen a, um, an actual race in person. So um, they were able to do a lot of really good things this year. And they're continuing with uh, with some updates here in the off season, not the least of which is uh, the rollout of some new tracks, including a favorite one amongst a lot of longtime sim racers, going back to the uh, swan song of uh, Papyrus, which uh, eventually begat uh, the uh, the folks that created iRacing in the uh, the late two uh, thousands. And that was a three mile long um, fantasy super speedway, basically um, an old school Atlanta on steroids um, that uh, at the time it was called Coca-Cola super speedway. Um, and they have brought that track um, back from the virtual dead um, and incorporated it into iRacing and called it iRacing super speedway. It looks like a ton of fun. Um, and I can't wait to see what they do with that. Um, and even then, uh, you know, it was, uh, it started prompting an interesting discussion on social media. Now that the precedent has been set that, um, iRacing can potentially bring in, um, some fantasy tracks now or start doing some stuff beyond, um, you know, real world racing facilities, what people would want to do. Um, and so there's, uh, you know, some talk about, well, you know, maybe we can, um, uh, I forget if they have IRP in there or not. I know there was some discussion about that, but um, I wanted to pose the question to both of you. What would be an interesting fantasy track to put into iRacing that you would love to see? I, I'll, I'll start with this and not from fantasy wise, 
well, uh, a fantasy track. I'd like to see a bunch of historic tracks that are no longer there recreated. And, you know, I, I know they go out, take measurements, everything, but there's photographs out there. You could take, I mean, they're bringing dirt tracks in there. They're bringing different series. You could take some of these tracks that are no longer there. Um, you know, dirt racing, like in Ascot, or Bring Back Ontario, or Riverside, or um, Bring the Indianapolis Most Speedway with Breck. You know, bring back, you know, I, I, I said in our first episode, and I will say it again, I am a sucker for the historic racing. I love it. And it's just because of my grandfather, what he would say, you know, how we talk about the glory day of racing. I mean, there's a lot of good tracks out there that are gone, that you that we know about but the younger people don't i mean if you want if you really want to bring back something i mean heck bring back greenville Pickens speedway or one of these tracks that went went defunct and are, are is no longer there um you know coming to mind Riverside. Uh, Riverside. Oh yeah, yeah, that that would be um just bring bring those back. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that if it wasn't for the history you wouldn't if it wasn't what they did back then, if it wasn't for the drivers who put their lives on the line day in and day out and maybe we will have a, a episode down the road about this about the evolution of racing and how Mm -hmm. safety has come and everything and you know what they did back then i agree i i i i think you gotta show that that's Mm -hmm. what makes it agreed agreed completely and who knows maybe that's a a whole nother um deal that they they bring into the evolution of iRacing now. Um, You know, you talk about bringing in photos of older tracks. Um, We know that they've done that with North Wilkesboro, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Even though they were measuring, you know, they were out there measuring what they could of the track. Well, yeah, I mean, but uh, I mean, yeah, but you look, the, the, the tower has caved in. They had to use photos. You've got... I mean, you got to right. do that. And, and they got Dale Jr. to work with them. Dale right. Jr.'s doing lost speedways. Hey, there you go. Start with that. Yep. Bring the two of them together. Bring um, the two of them together. I mean, yep. there, there's tracks like Ascot. Hey, dirt. they're getting into dirt racing. You want right. to know a, a dirt track that ran that a lot of drivers like Foyt, um, actually, I think Petty ran there too, and and some other drivers. Hamburg, New York, mm-hmm. that the horse track, Syracuse, that track yep. is gone now. Yep, that was a mile track, bumpy, mm-hmm. but you know what? That put a challenge on racing. Yep, 
bring you know that's what they gotta do ryan your thoughts on the fantasy tracks what i'd like to see is see bring in some of the great international tracks places where the i-racing circuits don't tend to go because mm-hmm. those, yeah. I think, would be for some not only unique and interesting challenges, but it'd be very, very fun to watch. Yeah, it would. I love the 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 international road courses. I, I've always been a road course fan, yeah. and like seeing the different promotions who don't drive those tracks normally get thrown into there, that that would give them a challenge and a half. Most certainly, it would. Um, they. They have some of them now, um, like they have Spa, they have Nurburgring, uh, the Nordschleife, I think they have as well. Um, they've got Zandvoort, they've got uh, Donington Park in uh, Great Britain. I think I've got two or three of them over there. Uh, Brands Hatch might be another one. Um, but touching on something that you talked about, David, going going back and, and uh, taking a look at some of the historical um, configurations of these tracks like spa was a completely different track back in the 60s than it is now um, and you know the Nürburgring same thing mm-hmm. um, uh, and I think Zanvoort might have been as well um, but you know there have been some some changes in the evolution of these these tracks over the years for safety and for other reasons so maybe we do that as well um, and then incorporate also um, some of these uh, some of these other newer tracks that uh, have come up. Uh, Red Bull yeah. Ring in Austria, I think, is one yeah. of them. Um, you've got the track in Abu Dhabi. You've got mm-hmm. um, Sochi, Russia. Um, I think there's another one over there. Uh, Bahrain is another one. Yeah. And then I think they had uh, Sakir. Um, I, forgive me, I can't. I, yeah, I think they they were at Sakir. I mean, they, I mean, there's a lot. I yes. mean, you can you can you can bring back South Africa. Yep, they used to run South Africa in the in the seventies. Yep, it's. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's just endless. That I mean, endless yep. possibilities. San Air, the yep. the old San Air track. Um, San Marino. Yep, San Marino. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, definitely. Um, yep, uh, I, but I, I completely agree with you, uh, Ryan. I think there's there's a, a ton of potential um, for this, and especially from a from the the international standpoint, from the road racing standpoint, um, they could do some really really cool things with this. Another interesting one I'm thinking of just off top that um, has kind of been forgotten about um for a little while is uh that uh little trapezoidal track they used to have it down in rio in brazil oh yeah that was an interesting one i'd be curious to see what what they would do with that in uh in iRacing that'd be pretty neat that that would be interesting so my final thoughts um is you know we were talking about iRacing and this was a really good point about you know, kind of seeing the, these historical tracks and that, and, and we talked about going back to grassroots racing. Today, the NASCAR Wheel and Modify Tour schedule came out, and you look at it, and, and I won't, you know, I'll talk a little bit about this, and you look, it's all Northeast tracks and Marnesville. 
This is how it was in the 70s. This is how it was in the 80s when you had Jeff Bodine, Jerry Cook, Richie Evans, Bugsy Stevens, um, on and on, Roger Troikler, you know, a local guy who, who ran the tour, uh, Mike Stefanik. You know, yep. they're, they're going back to what they did. And yep. what I love most about this is they kick off at Martinsville, probably going to be under the lights. It's a Thursday night race. They go to Stafford, Riverhead in New York State, um, Jennerstown in Pennsylvania, the, the famed Steel Palace Oswego Speedway. They yep. used to be there in the 80s. Um, yeah, they got two or three of them on the schedule this two, year. Two Oswego. Um, I, I it, it kind of breaks my heart because they're doing Jennerstown May 29th, but as we go this year, if everything goes right, they're going to have two classics this year, one wow. Memorial Day weekend, which would have been the 2021, and then the, the one um, Labor Day weekend, which mm. is when they have the modifieds. That would have been cool to have both of them there, yeah. but New Hampshire... Mm-hmm. They're. It's been a long time. They're back to Lancaster Speedway in New York, New York International Raceway. Um, good for their track after the whole ROC issues. Hey, NASCAR Moff, I thank you. That track needs it. Um, yeah. Needs the boost. New ownership. They, they really need that kind of lost their season this year on after gang new ownership um, beach Ridge in Maine, Richmond. I, I do apologize. Richmond, the other track in Virginia. I, that, that's going to be great. It's been a long time since they've been there back to riverhead Stafford. Great racing. I, I I'm excited for it. It's going to be a great series, great schedule for them. Guys, your quick thoughts on on that? I agree completely. Um, you know, they're going back to the uh, the very strengths of um, of this series and where it came from, and it comes from the northeastern quadrant of the United States. And so, mm-hmm. it's good to see them um, giving that part of the country. Uh, the proper attention it deserves. I wish they were running a race or two at Thompson. Uh, but Yeah, sadly, that's not on there this year. Um, but it looks like Thompson has a six race series with a pro uh, with a it sounds like it might be a Can-Am tour that. Um, but they may, they, they've got a different series come in that they say I did see that on on the NASCAR NBC. Um, Ryan, your quick thoughts about that. And then I have one more point to add on after Ryan says something here. When I saw that the schedule got released and I was curious as to where they were going to hit. When I saw Lancaster Speedway on there, that plastered a smile right to my face. And I thought, you know what, on that day right there, I know where I'm going to be. Well, I I hate, I, I, I would love to be there. The only issue is um, that it's going to be a big racing weekend in, in Western and central New York that weekend. And here's why 
the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars released their schedule. July 30th, they're at Ransomville Speedway, north of Lancaster in, in the Niagara County. Great racetrack, um, home of the, the Kinzer Way. It'll be a story I'll probably tell down the road about that track when we talk about the Outlaws. Um, the next night, the Mods are Lancaster, the World of Outlaws at Weesport. Guess who's got the tougher decision, Ryan? I do, because do I go Weedsport or do I go Lancaster? Oh, yeah, that definitely puts you in rock and hard place territory. Yeah, and then try to get my dad to go, and my my dad's actually leaning towards Weedsport. As long as COVID's over with, we'll take that. But we will see. So with that said, it's been a great episode. We are going to continue recording. We are aiming to do weekly, just to let you know. We will have these podcast. We will have the podcasts out for you. Um, the only we probably will record the next week, and then we're going to take a break for Christmas and New Year's, and then we'll kick off 2021 with continuing with the podcast. So. Next week, we start Open Wheel. Have a great night. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Catch you on the next round. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. (laughs) Thank you.